Good morning, everyone. I'm John Schmidt, the senior pastor at Centerpoint Fellowship. Uh, we are uh, we had our signals crossed on something apparently here uh, in uh, Prattville, and so uh, I've introduced myself twice to everybody here locally. So we are glad you're along for this next installment of Thriving. Inside your bulletin, you will find an outline of Thriving Through Good Leadership. We've talked about Thriving Through Giving, Thriving Through Serving. Uh, the Bible has so much to say about having abundant life. If you need a pen, by the way, to fill in the blanks, just raise your hand and one of our ushers will bring one to you. But um, the point one on your outline is simply this, that Jesus wants our church to thrive. Could we say that together out loud, please? Jesus wants our church to thrive. One more time. Jesus wants our church to thrive. Uh, He wants us individually to thrive in our faith with him, and he wants our church to thrive. When Jesus was explaining why he came, he said, I have come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. Abundantly means overflowing, flourishing, prospering. Jesus wants that for our church. He wants it to be a, a place where we thrive and grow spiritually. If that would be a desire of your heart, would you say amen? And all too often we talk about our faith in Christ and we go, oh, yeah, I mean, I'm a Christian and I'm going to heaven one day and, you know, wow, that's contagious, okay? Or we think of church, well, I got to go to worship, you know, I got to volunteer for this, you know, and, and we talk about it as, uh, and there are times when uh, honoring a commitment we made to serve or other things involves pushing ourselves even when we're tired, that's true, but at the same time, our involvement inside of a worship, inside of a small group, inside of a mission team, or whatever else we're doing, all of that is terribly important. Uh, it's terribly important that we have the right attitude, and we understand Christ's attitude with this. He came so we could thrive. And today I want to talk about point two on your outline here, that our church will thrive through good leadership. Good leadership. What makes a church thrive is the same thing that makes any organization thrive. It's good leadership. And the church has a lot, I mean, the Bible has a lot to say about that, how a church is to be organized and to identify leaders. We're going to hit some of that today, and we're going to introduce you to some of our leaders here in Prattville that you may not know, and at all of our locations. So in Acts 6, uh, this explains a little bit when the church first got started, right after Pentecost, thousands of people have been added to the church in one day uh, after the Holy Spirit came upon the apostles. And... Um, This is what happened next. But as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. They had um, some sort of food distribution program so that they could take care of widows and orphans. So the twelve called a meeting of all the believers, and they said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the Word of God, not running a food program. So brothers, select seven men who are well-respected, full of the Spirit and wisdom, and we'll give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the Word. Now let me just stop for a second here and make a couple of notes. Sometimes I have people that tell me whenever we run into a problem at this church or there's a problem at any other church, they go, well, I just know that if they were doing God's will, they wouldn't have problems. I mean, I just want to be a church like they were in the New Testament where there weren't any problems. That tells me you've never read the New Testament. Okay, the New Testament, most of it, these are letters to people, letters to pastors and people in leadership on how to solve problems. 
I mean, right here, at the time when the Holy Spirit has been poured out on the apostles, thousands have come to Christ in one day, and we go, wow, what happened next? Problems. And there's grumblings, and how do we handle it? So never think for a minute that if there's a problem inside the church, that means God's hand's not upon it. I mean, it takes good leadership. He, he fills our leaders with the Holy Spirit, and he helps us make good decisions so we can solve those problems. Never, never misunderstand that, that if there's ever challenges or problems inside a church, that God isn't blessing it anymore. Nothing could be farther from the truth. The truth is, when we're reaching all kinds of people with all kinds of needs, then God brings all kinds of different people together so we can solve those problems together. And that's terribly important. Secondly, I tell you that uh, this whole thing was done in response because they were responding to a need. It caused them to reach out to God in prayer uh, more and that prayer was kept right at the center of what they were doing. I mean, you'll see this as we go through this, that uh, defining the role of the leadership, to, especially to give them more time to focus on God, to focus on preaching the word and prayer, this was terribly important. So hang on to that. Then we apostles can spend our time in preaching and teaching the word. Everyone liked this idea, and they chose the following. Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Pumba, I mean, uh, uh, Parmenas, uh, Parmenas uh, Nicholas of Antioch, an earlier convert to the Jewish faith. These seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them and laid their hands on them. And so God's message continued to spread, and the number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. So when they solved the problem, it helped the church grow more. The problem wasn't what was, I mean, wasn't the end. When they faced the challenge, God showed them what to do. And when they resolved the problem, they grew even more. This is true in marriages, other things too. When people learn how to resolve conflict and work through solutions together, their marriage goes even stronger. James tells us when we face trials of various kinds, it makes us mature and complete. And so this is a good thing. It's why we need good leaders who are praying to God and God has shown us what to do. If it encourages you to know that God is even equipping us to deal with problems, would you say amen? That's one of the ways our church thrives. Not because we never have any challenges, but because God raises up leaders to meet those challenges. I mean, God is doing this. He's preparing this in advance. This is his church. And we're following his lead, just like the people in the New Testament did. Here's a note on that. Delegation. Delegation is vital to the health of our church. And even when I'm talking about leadership in our church, I hope you can understand that every single point that I talk about today would apply to any organization if I'm going to surrender it to the Lord. In your business, in, our, in a good school, in city government, in state government, anywhere you go, if you delegate authority to responsible people, the organization runs better. But it's certainly true in our church. Uh, it was also true in the Old Testament when Moses had led the children of Israel out of slavery. They'd been in slavery for hundreds of years. And so they'd all been slaves and servants, but nobody had ever been in government positions. Nobody ever, there was no hierarchy of government at all, so there was no structure for that. So they get out in the wilderness and on their way to the promised land, and there's disputes. And there are quarrels. And so Moses is going to resolve all these by himself. And so he would sit in a, um, just a decision-making capacity, in front of a crowd, and they would form a line, and the Bible tells us in Exodus that there would be a line that would stand in front of him from morning till evening, and this is what he would do all day. 
One day his father-in-law comes to visit him. His father-in-law tells him these words. This is not good, Moses' father-in-law exclaimed. You're going to wear yourself out and the people too. This job is too heavy of a burden for you to handle all by yourself. Now listen to me and let me give you a word of advice and may God be with you. You should continue to be the people's representative before God, bringing their disputes to him. Teach them God's decrees and give them his instructions. Show them how to conduct their lives. But select from all the people some capable, honest men who fear God and hate bribes and appoint them as leaders over groups of 1,000, 100, 50, and 10. They should always be available to solve the people's common disputes, but have them bring the major cases to you. Let the leaders decide the smaller matters themselves. Then they will help you carry the load, making the task easier for you. If you follow this advice, and if God commands you to do so, you'll be able to endure the pressures, and all these people will be be able to go home in peace. If you delegate properly, you'll relieve stress, and the leadership will do a better job. I mean, this is why we have leaders inside the church, to relieve stress, and the church runs better. Many hands make for light work. And can I tell you, this is what is so great and comforting to me. It's, it's so fun as we've seen this church come together over the last eight years. We're coming up on right at the eighth year anniversary right now when some people started meeting in a living room eight years ago in Prattville uh, for this church. And it's been so much fun to see leaders rise up, to see all the things that had to be done by a few people at first are now being done by many. And it reduces the strain and things run better. And one of the hardest things is if you're ever a part of an organization where one person's doing too much, they become the choke point. Can anybody relate to what I'm talking about here? Yeah. Sometimes it's us. Sometimes it's me. Sometimes it's you. Sometimes somebody else. And we realize, hey, I got too much on my plate. Everybody's standing around like they were in front of Moses. They were standing from morning to evening. And his father-in-law is going, what are you doing here? What are you accomplishing? Everybody's standing around. Moses, you're the choke point. Delegate this. And man, you'll be able to stand the strain and other people will grow. So if you flip your outline over in point three, at center point, this is what we've done. At center point, we've identified good leaders at each of our sites, at each of our locations, and asked them to serve as deacons. Deacons. Now, the note, if you don't know what the word deacon means, deacon is from the ancient Greek word diakonos, which means one who serves, means servant. It also means waiter. <laughs> okay. I mean, that would be a very close thing. Somebody who serves. How can I help you? And inside the church, um, we're always instructed, just like the apostles did there in Acts 6, hey, there was, there was a lot of work to be done with this food program. And so they found seven capable people and they said, hey, these are people who would, who would love to help. They're servants. And so that's point A there. Deacons are servant leaders. That's what it means to be a deacon. A servant leader. People who serve and are willing to help teach other people to serve. Now, I'm going to all this trouble because I found out when we talked about, hey, we, we're putting in deacons at each of our sites, at each of our locations. We have a board of elders over the whole church, but then at each of our locations, we'll have deacons uh, so that we make sure there's local representation that people would know. I mean, the more, more locations we open up, the less people would feel comfortable talking to a board of elders that they may not ever see. But there'd be people at each of the locations they could talk to. When I start doing that, they go, okay. I'm a, we're going to call them, what do you call those people? And call them, we'll call them deacons. And some people went, oh, man, I, 
you know, they may have had a negative understanding of deacon. And so that's why I'm taking some time to unpack this. I mean, at Wake Forest, their mascot is the demon deacon. And I asked a pastor one time who had a kind of a negative attitude about this too. And I said, well, why, why do you think they uh, call him that? And he goes, well, I've known a few. Okay, anyway, uh, but the idea is, is that if there's any kind of negative baggage, if there's any kind of negative baggage on that, please dump that out. Um, the people that we're installing as deacons are people who have just, we've identified as servant leaders. This is the attitude Jesus wants us to have, by the way. Matthew 20, the disciples were arguing over who would be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And here's what Jesus said. You know the rulers in this world lorded over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it'll be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so we're looking for people who serve. I mean, that's what they did in Acts. Hey, uh, go and find, and brothers, select seven men, well-respected, full of spirit and wisdom. We'll give them this responsibility. And these are people who are filled with spirit and willing to run this. These are people who do it. I mean, when you say, hey, would somebody help with that? They go, yeah, I'll help. Hey, can I help? I mean, a good waiter comes to your table and goes, can I get you anything else? That's a servant. And we look for people who've done that here. And that brings us to the next point. Deacons are recognized for their character and commitment. How we select leaders here is we recognize them. Leaders are recognized. We don't run a uh, campaign like, uh, you know, running for uh, student body president. That's not what's happening here. Little posters, vote for me. This isn't a popularity contest. It's the other way around. Our leadership is recognized people. Hey, these are people who get it. They are servant leaders, and they have character and commitment. This is just recognized. Uh, when Paul was writing to Timothy and telling him about installing deacons in uh, churches that he had planted, he said the same way. He talked to him about elders, and then he talked about deacons here. It's all in chapter 3 of 1 Timothy. In the same way, deacons must be well-respected, have integrity. They must not be heavy drinkers, dishonest with money. They must be committed to the mystery of the faith, now revealed. They must live with a clear conscience. Before they're appointed as deacons, let them be closely examined. If they pass the test, let them serve as deacons. In the same way, their wives must be respected and must not slander others. They must exercise self-control, be faithful in everything they do. Deacon must be faithful to his wife, must manage his children and household well. You're looking for people who have a good reputation. People who live out their convictions. People willing to serve. So how do you know such a person? Well, you recognize it. I mean, it is the most wonderful thing when this happens. I mean, I, I love it because uh, when we identify a leader, it works this way for me. I'm somewhere, and I meet somebody, and they go, hey, does so-and-so go to your church? Yeah. Uh, why do you ask? They go, oh, love that guy. Hey, so-and-so, are they involved? I heard they were involved in leadership of your church. It's like, yeah, they are. It's like, man, you are lucky. I, I love working for them. I just get encouraged all the time. There's somebody who lives out their faith. I mean, that's what, we, that's what we're looking for. How do you know them? Well, you recognize them. I mean, it's the same way people used to ask me when I was coaching Little League with my kids and you have a bunch of dads and all the kids who want to play Little League are all out there and they have them 
hit the ball and run and catch the ball and other things. You just have them go through some basic skills. You go, who do you know? How do you know who to recruit for your team? Well, you recognize it. And where do you put the kids on the team? Well, you recognize it. I mean, kid at first base has to have a good glove. He's the best glove on the team. It doesn't have to be fast. First base, the ball's always coming to him. You know, and so we'd look for a kid with a good glove, and even if he was slow. I mean, we had one kid, one of the best first baseman I ever had, had the best glove, could vacuum up a ball from anywhere. Couldn't run out of sight in a month. But he was, <laughs> but it didn't, it didn't take anything to recognize that this kid needed to play first base. How'd you know? Because he, he can catch everything. He didn't vote. It wasn't a popular vote. Well, how would you know if somebody was ready to be a deacon? Well, they're not a heavy drinker. They're honest with their money. They're committed to their faith. They live with a clear conscience. Their family's healthy. They volunteer to serve whenever there's an opportunity. We don't beg them. We just recognize it. Deacons are servant leaders. They're recognized for their character and commitment, and they're being developed by God. See, every time we... Um, every time I take on too much on John Schmidt, two things happen. One, I become terribly frustrated. Two, somebody else who could be doing part of that task isn't given, given the opportunity to grow. Make sense? When I step out of the way and give away uh, responsibility to somebody else, well, now all of a sudden the load gets easier for me. It puts more load on somebody else but that's a load God wants them to bear because they're building up their strength. Those who do well as deacons, this is 1 Timothy 3, a little bit more. We'd stop at verse 12. Here's verse 13. Those who do well as deacons will be rewarded with respect from others and will have increased confidence in their faith in Christ Jesus. Their faith will increase. Acts 6 is where we started. Those people in the food program, two of the people listed first were Stephen and Philip. Well, here's a little, if you keep reading... Later in Acts 6, it tells you what happened to Stephen. Acts 7 and 8, uh, and on, or, or Acts 6 and 7 tells you what happened to Stephen. Acts 8 tells you what happened to Philip. Stephen, that deacon appointed there, was a man full of God's grace and power, performed many amazing miracles and signs among the people. He actually became the first Christian martyr. He started out running a food program. Philip, God, uh, Philip was sent by God. To Samaria. He went down to a city in Samaria, proclaimed Christ there. There was great joy in that city. They believed Philip as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. They were baptized, many were baptized there, both men and women. All through Philip. And if you know your New Testament well, there's even a man from Ethiopia, a ruler from Ethiopia, traveling through, and Philip was the one God used to lead him to the Lord, which opened up all of Ethiopia to the gospel. And it started out with him being a deacon. And so we recognize that all of our deacons are in process. They're not perfect. They're just people saying, hey, I want to follow the Lord, and I'm growing. Every time we delegate, the load gets easier, and people have a chance to grow. We want to be a church that's developing people, training people in ministry so the gospel can spread. If this is good news to you, would you say amen? amen? Now, let me get to point D, because this applies to all of us. All these things apply to us. Deacons are role models. Now, again, I mean, the deacons each side are going to go, oh, don't put that kind of pressure on me. Okay, nobody likes to be single. I'm not perfect. We're not saying perfect. But we are saying, hey, this is something that we want modeled. 
Remember your leaders, Hebrews 13, 7. There are many passages that talk about this. I just picked one here, Hebrews 13, 7. Remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. Think of all the good that's come from their lives, and then underline this, and follow their example of the, follow the example of their faith. Underline that. Follow the example of their faith. Okay, so I've been through this, that the people that we look for leadership in the church are servant leaders who eagerly volunteer. They're recognized for their character and commitment. People speak well of them in the community, inside the church. They love their families. They're doing the best they can with their lives. They're willing to grow, and they're being developed as the church grows. Why wouldn't we all want that? I mean, that needs to be the goal of every Christian. Don't hear in this message, well, good, I'm glad they found some people like that. I can't be that. They would tell you the same thing. They would tell you, look, I'm a Christian. I'm just following the Lord, and this is the next step for me, so I'm going to trust him. And so there's always a challenge for us here. I hope as we talk about deacons, and you meet some of them in a minute at each of our locations here, as we introduce them to you, um, that you're challenged by this and saying, God, I want to I be faithful. God, I want to have the right attitude. God, I want you to show me what changes need to be made in my life. I want to I be entrusted with leadership that's recognized, not so I can be a big shot, but just because that means that other people can see that you're working in me. Point four, key duties of center point deacons. What do we ask these deacons to do? Let me just read through these bullet points with you. We ask our deacons to help our pastors at each of our locations here, to meet with our pastors routinely, to review the operation, growth, and ministry of each location. I mean, these are people involved, whether it's in working with students or working with missions or working with small groups, working with whatever is necessary. These are people involved, and they'll be able to ones that are going to help us spot needs and know what to do next, to assist our pastors in accomplishing the overall goals of Centerpoint toward the same point there. Represent the congregation's concerns to our pastors and our pastors' concerns to the congregation. Again, we have people who are in leadership volunteering in all these places. They're going to hear things that we need to hear. And as pastors, we want to hear this. Is this something we're missing? Is there an opportunity we need? Is there, are we got a, do we have a blind spot somewhere? Or do we need to do more of something? Pray for the sick. We have a group of elders that have been praying for the sick. Well, as our church expands and spreads... Uh, get, it's not logistically possible. And so we ask the leaders of the church to go lay hands on people and pray for them. Ensure our locations aligned with the mission, vision, and values and the statement of faith of Centerpoint. We've all sadly heard of churches that have drifted away from what we're trying to do. They had mission drift. Or they had a, they've abandoned uh, the convictions about the Bible being God's word. I wish I could tell you I don't know of any churches like that, but we all do. Well, deacons help ensure that won't happen. And finally, uh, we assist, they assist our pastors in developing new locations. And when people are leaving to go someplace else, hey, how do, we, how do we encourage them to develop a location there in their neighborhood? And this is exciting stuff. These are people we want to have help us develop all these things. They're making a commitment for three years to remain faithful, and serving, giving, and participating in our connect groups, our small groups, and our worship. So at each of our locations here this morning, we are going to spend some time looking now at um, where they're going to be. 
uh, I mean, meeting some of these folks and introducing them to you. And so we're going to take a few minutes this morning. But I'd like to have a word of prayer and really ask God to um, challenge each of us through this today uh, and remind us of what he wants us to be. Lord, I want to thank you for the opportunity to be together as a church, uh, not only here in Prattville, but through the Internet at different locations. And, Father, I'm asking at each of our locations that you would continue to rise up leaders, people who love you, who serve enthusiastically, who do their best to honor you. And, Lord, I pray that as we empower them and entrust leadership opportunities to them, that they will grow. And, Father, I ask that um, we'd follow their example. We allow you to stretch and grow us. Lord, we want your kingdom to come, your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's going to require good leadership. Thanks for raising up the people we have so far. Continue to bring more people into those positions. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Each of our locations, what they're doing now is they're introducing their deacon teams. And so uh, I want to introduce the folks that we're installing here in Prattville today as deacons. So if you guys would come on up here. Um, in the book of Acts, it says there were seven that were installed. So we're starting with seven here. And we want you to meet uh, these uh, deacons we're installing and their wives. And so we're going to ask them to come up here. Uh, pretty much exactly, like I said, we're trying to pattern this exactly like um, what it was in, uh, in the New Testament. So come on up. Yeah, we'll get you in the light up here. Come on up. So, Tommy, if I could have that. So I want you to meet them. And so uh, what I've done is I've uh, prepped each one of them to answer a couple of questions. And we'll slide on a little bit further. Here we go. Come on up. We'll slide on a bit further. And, uh, Chad, I'll start with you and Brooke. So introduce uh, yourself and your wife to us, please. Um, Chad Carr. This is my wife, Brooke. And how would you guys, um, or where do you serve? Well, we currently have a, a house church at our church every Sunday morning. We roughly have about 20, 30 folks that, that meet. We just do life together and, and church together, and relationships have just been unreal in that group. Yeah, and meets in Millbrook? Yeah. Meets in our home uh, in Millbrook every Sunday morning. And uh, I, I can't tell you guys the amount of love that is in that house. It's just unreal, absolutely unreal. Yeah, and so um, how did you guys get to Centerpoint? Um, we came from another church, and um, just we heard about John. And um, one Sunday, uh, when we were on the way back uh, out of town, and I looked at my wife and said, hey, um, text your friend and tell her we'll be there to, to listen to John. And uh, ever since then, it's just been an absolute blessing. We left that church and came here, and it's just been unreal, the things that God has done since then. Okay. If you pass the mic on down. Mike, introduce yourselves. I'm Mike, uh, April Rogers. Good. And Mike, where do you guys volunteer? Uh, we have a connect group that meets on uh, Wednesday night at PCA. Uh, we invite anybody that has children, elementary, high school, uh, to come join us. And uh, we can all sit down and figure out how to raise these kids together. Good. And you just got back from that mission trip to Mexico we mentioned earlier, right? I did. Me and Chad uh, just got back about 11 o'clock last night, so we're a little tired. But uh, we're, we're pushing on. <laughs> but uh, it was an outstanding trip. As Scott talked about earlier, yeah, we built a house for some people. But... The relationships that we built with those people there in Mexico and the relationship that we built with the eight men that was there was, was awesome. And I'd love to tell any, any one of you about it when they'll give me more time. That's awesome. We'll let you pass that on down. Neil? Hi, my name is Neil Gruen. This is my wife, Stacy. And Neil, where do you guys serve? Uh, we currently serve uh, over the uh, orphan care ministry. And we're, we're in the process of adopting 
And uh, so if you are uh, in the process of adopting, maybe you've already adopted, or maybe you feel led in that direction, um, please find us. Because we, uh, through this, have found a community of people who have been in those different parts of the, the process, and, and uh, so we want to connect you to that, too. Yeah, and you guys just got back. I mean, when you say you're in the process, I mean, tell them, where did you just go? Where did you guys just come back from? We, uh, we, so we're adopting from Haiti, and uh, we just returned from Haiti, I guess, three weeks now. Uh, it's been three weeks. So we, uh, the, the hurricane kind of altered our plans a little bit, but, uh, but God took care of us there. So, yeah, we, we just got back about three weeks ago. Yeah, so this is a passion of yours. It is. Yes, definitely. Good. Pass it on down. I'm Mark Barber, and this is my wife, Tina. And, Mark, where do you guys volunteer? Uh, we're currently serving on Wednesday nights with um, Square One with the youth and really enjoy that, being a part of them and seeing Christ work in their lives. Yeah. And so how would you guys get to Centerpoint? Um, we were, um, we've been in Prattville for about 17 years. We were at a previous church, and we were just to a point in our lives where we didn't think we were growing spiritually. Um, and we had seen some of John's messages uh, before and prayed about it, decided to give Centerpoint a try, and uh, we've been here ever since. Yeah, and so, but volunteering and serving, you heard me talk about that. It really does change you, right? It, it does. You. It does. Sure does. Pass it on down, Jack. I'm Jack Clark, and this is my wife, Ashley. Yeah, and so, Jack, where do you guys volunteer? Um, we are in uh, the Blankenships Connect Group, Couples Connect Group, and I lead a men's connect group on Thursday mornings, and Ashley's in Kids Central, and then we are part of some different Bible reading uh, groups with various people, which, by the way, I have to say, uh, has done wonders for our walk with Christ. It's really just moved me in a place that I've never been before. It's awesome. Pass it on down. Excuse me. My name's Ken Dismukes. <clears throat> it's my best friend, Kim, who actually doubles as my wife for 28 years. And somehow I got something in my throat and can't talk. Yeah. But I'm glad you choked up over this opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> That's great. Hey, Ken, where have you guys volunteered? Where have you served? Well, let's see. We do um, marriage mentoring, which is a huge blessing, and we also do um, lead a connect group. Yeah, and how'd you guys, uh, what made you decide to step into leadership? What made you decide to get involved <clears throat> here at this church? Well, I had a good friend of mine <clears throat> asked us to come, and I came for a smaller church, and that lasted about two weeks. And uh, so God had other plans, but that's why we came to Southern Center Point. Just thrilled to be here. And I'm Reed, Reed Toller. This is my wife, Ashley. Yeah, um, and where do you, uh, I think people know already <laughs> if they attend here, but where do you volunteer? Where do you serve? Yeah, a lot of people know I worship or uh, help lead worship on the worship team. Uh, I do a lot of drumming there, and my wife helps in the back. She does some stuff with the tech team, and we both lead a connect group on Wednesday nights as well. Yeah, and you've even done some stuff, Reed, with uh, just even a subgroup of that, just a couple of guys that you hold accountable to Bible reading and to prayer, right? Yeah, I always wanted to read the Bible consistently on a daily basis, and I struggled with it myself. So um, I was invited by Tommy Green, one of our associate pastors here, to kind of join into a group and read the Bible on a daily basis. We held each other accountable by sending each other text messages. And so what I did was I took that, and, and I invited some friends of mine to do it too, and asked them if they wanted to read the Bible daily. So that, that's been a huge blessing to be able to stay in God's Word on a daily basis. Good. Shane, if you'd grab that mic and just come on around in front here, if you don't mind. Yeah. Uh, Shane is hiding in the back. back yeah, come on, come on over here in the middle, Shane. Uh, but uh, you're going to be working with these folks a lot here in Prattville, too. And out of all the things that we were talking there, what kind of stood out to you? 
Well, I think um, there's a couple of things. One, that this is a group of people that uh, can relate to the congregation in a way sometimes that we can't by the sheer numbers of, of people and the limitations of the staff. We want to give people more access uh, to our church to speak to us so that we can understand ourselves. And then also helping us as a church, not just the staff, what we're doing, but us, us as a church, to stay true to the mission, vision, values, and the statement of faith that God has for us. I think many of you know that Centerpoint is different. We can all agree that we're different. Uh, We're not a traditional church. We meet in a hotel. But for us, it's not so much just about being different in those ways. It's You'll know that you understand our difference when you, when you catch yourself not saying, I'm going to church anymore, but you realize I am being the church wherever I am. And so one of the things that I've talked a lot with the deacons is we're not doing committee work. It's not like maybe a lot of the deacon boards that you knew uh, or have maybe experienced in your past. It's two words that I've used a lot is being a billboard and being a translator. We want to show you what Centerpoint wants all of us to become. Because deacons, they'll be the first one to tell you they don't feel any special or any different. Uh, They're just people like us. That's what Centerpoint's about, ordinary people stepping up. And so we want them to say, if you want to know what maturity looks like in Centerpoint, if you want to know what we're doing, we want to be able to say, look at them. That's what we're trying to become. And to be able to communicate that to y'all as well. Because sometimes um, they're able to communicate things to you in a clearer way because they sat just where you were sitting. And something clicked for them. And we want to empower them to be able to share this journey with you as well. So I'm really excited about what God is doing uh, through this group of people and the direction that all of our sites are going. Because we have deacons at every site. Yeah. And so those of you visiting with us, we have extensions in Wetumpka and Pike Road. And at Westside, uh, meeting at Whitewater Camp right now. Um, Lane Easterling, would you mind coming up here? And if I could ask any of the other elders that are present here, uh, I want you to know that this is something that our elders have been working on uh, for the last year and a half and praying through as our church has grown and we've started other locations. It became very clear that it would be untenable just to have one leadership group over everything, and they were doing all that. So, Lane, if you could come join us up here. Um, Lane, uh, your thoughts on this are this is important, right? Uh, extremely important to the work of God. Yes. Yeah. And so you and the elders, I wasn't kidding. I mean, we've been praying about this and working on this for a year and a half. Yes, we have. Having to be patient because if it was in our time, we wanted it done immediately. Yeah. And it just became very clear to us that this is the time. We've got good people in positions. And so I'm going to ask you to lead us in a word of prayer. And for some of the other elders, just jump in with me and place hands on folks here. Um, Lane, I'll just turn it over to you. And yes, I, I would ask you to stand if you would. Um, We're asking these people, uh, this is a position to be desired. I think everyone should desire a position to lead, but it's certainly not one to be esteemed by others. These folks, we're recognizing these people today because they're already doing the work. So I would ask you, if you wouldn't mind, if you're close enough, lay your hand on someone and reach out if you could, and we're going to lay hands here, and I'm going to lead us in prayer as we anoint and charge these folks to help us in leadership. Our gracious Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your um, care for us. Uh, Father, uh, most of all, I would like to thank you and acknowledge uh, that you're the Lord over our lives. 
And Father, we give it all to you. Thank you, Father, for uh, these people. You've heard the names. Father, um, we've been working on this a year and a half. Father, you've been working on these people their entire lives. And we're just so grateful, Father, that you've brought them to us. And um, Father, as I said, this is not a position to be esteemed by others. Um, But these folks have demonstrated, Father, that they love you. And real important, Father, that they love others and they want to serve others, just as Jesus did. Jesus never asked for trophies. He never asked for recognition. Father, he just asked for people to follow him. And one of the things we've recognized among this group of people here is they are followers of Christ. And, uh, Father, just be with us this day. Uh, Father, I pray you love on these people. Um, Add an extra measure of your Holy Spirit, uh, Father, and um, give them strength. Uh, Give them joy in their pursuit uh, to continue to mature and to become uh, more like you. Thank you, Father, for your love, and be with us this day. It's through Jesus we pray. Amen.